Welcome to the Elite Formula Physio and Training Podcast with me, Bradley Skeynes. And me, Matthew Murray-Downing. This podcast is all things Formula One and sports performance, fitness, health, and injury. We will be discussing the physical and mental components of Formula One, the drivers, and every circuit race by race as the season goes on, broken up with insight and knowledge in how to train, recover, and rehab like an elite level athlete. And we'll even bring along some special guests for the ride. For more information, you can find us at Elite Formula PT on socials. Hello, and welcome back to the Elite Formula Physio and Training Podcast. And uh, the run is broken. Matt, how was Singapore? What happened? Yeah, what a race. It was, uh, yeah, exciting. A real mixed bag. It could have been anyone's race, really. It was a fantastic race to watch, which was super refreshing. It was hot. It was a tough race. There was errors made across the park. So, yeah, I think it threw a few cats amongst the pigeon. A difficult weekend for you guys on that side of the garage, though. Yeah, it was super interesting. I can only describe it like Brazil last year, where we just... We just got lost and we just couldn't get things firing in the right direction. And, you know, it's sport at the end of the day and even the best will will have off days. That hopefully is our only one of the year. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. But yeah, it was interesting. Yeah, let's say Red Bull struggling all weekend, but some great performances across the park. I, again, I made a few notes watching the race and again, another fantastic drive again by Liam. Uh Thought drove brilliantly again. Another to see young driver on the grid, kind of you know, points again, showing well. points some yeah, points again, showing some career consistency. And you know, hats off to the fella because that's you know, it's it's really really difficult. But yeah, some great drives all round. Some really interesting mistakes. We were talking obviously a little bit last week's pod around kind of concentration at Singapore and how it's a super technical circuit. And you know, George being a great example. You know, three laps to go or two laps to go where it was and. And putting it into the wall. One day, final lap, wasn't it? Tell a lie, final lap, put it into the wall. So, you know, it happens to the best of them. Great example. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you can chuck so much into the mix there because clearly high-pressured situation, which is chasing down for the win, heart rate's going to be super high. He's already fatigued from racing for almost two hours and that temperature. So you've got high heart rate from that. Add in the, the intensity of the position in the race that he's in the high decision making that he's got to do and probably just got a little bit too excited (laughs) knowing George yeah um, yeah all mixed in for quite a catastrophic end to the to the race for him but you know it just shows that you can be in that top 20 drivers in the world being at that stage in the business end of a race with those conditions you can still make mistakes and that's where you know real good physical underpinning helps and also adding in practicing sort of high pressure decision making environments whether that be on the sim or when you're under fatigue after training and so on and so forth yeah no absolutely and i also thought it was interesting on uh, watching um signs and we saw this perhaps earlier in the year if, if anyone who watches regularly remembers but we said around kind of what do we see the difference between perhaps more experienced drivers and inexperienced drivers and sign was another great example of someone who you know, whilst trying to kind of, you know, drive as fast as he could, few laps to go on old tyres, actually still managed to be, have his head outside of the car. He was aware of the fact that George was catching up with Lando um, and actually managed to actually just keep that gap between him and Norris enough where Norris could keep the DRS open. Uh, Super intelligent driving. And I think, again, another really great example of experience and actually how, you know, he enabled to keep 
Norris behind him and work together a little bit with someone from another team in order to kind of keep his lead up, knowing that obviously George had those fresh tyres on. So, it, yeah, fascinating to watch and a, a real kind of um, yeah masterclass in how to drive at the front. Yeah, really, really impressive. And, you know, Sainz is a clever guy. He, he's very intelligent and, you, you know, you can see and hear that he thinks like an engineer when he when he talks about those things but but also again he's also a very fit guy one of the fittest um drivers on the grid so the singapore race to him would be less physically stressful so that gives him more mental capacity to um, be thinking about those decisions whilst he's driving and he, he also had probably the I don't want to say easiest because he, he drove that very well. He controlled the pace, but he controlled the pace. So he didn't have to make so many kind of high uh, decisions. Obviously, he had to stay super concentrated because a mistake loses you the race. But he's not picking and choosing overtakes and maneuvers and, 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 and bits like that either. So, uh, yeah, again, a couple of factors probably helped him out uh, there. But ones that he created. No, absolutely. Yeah, it was uh, it was brilliant to watch and, and probably great for the team as well. You know, I think Ferrari have had a really tough run of it. And, you know, particularly performance coach wise, you know, for your drivers trying to, you know, keep them motivated a period where perhaps Ferrari haven't had a lot go their way necessarily. Actually, a really good pickup for signs in particular, obviously kind of building confidence kind of going forward. Yeah, a good weekend little round for them. Yeah, they were quick all weekend and, and showed good driving ability. So a real nice confidence boost for them as a team and as a driver. Yeah, and they certainly celebrated like they won the championship. So they've um, poked the bear as it were for this weekend yeah and as you say I think it's always a good I think sometimes that's the thing of motorsport and one thing I picked up over the last years and working amongst different teams is you know you've got to celebrate those wins I think it's really important to you know give people the flavour of the wins and celebrate them it's it, there's no better feeling you know as we, we go out there to win you know and everyone is there to win so when you do get them you know it's good to suck it up enjoy that moment for a for a minute and then uh, you know get your head back in the game yeah winning breeds winning we know that you know you see these you see in every sport teams and, and individuals go winning runs you get used to winning you start to know how to win and again you can kind of look back at george in singapore and he hasn't been in that position fighting for wins like that much and that also shows decisions that he made he'd completely cooked his tires by the by the end, uh, by the time he got to, to catch cars, so he probably wouldn't be able to overtake anyway. So yeah, experience winning plays a huge part, um, and that's certainly something that we're going to be uh, targeting this weekend. We're all now in Japan. We're all made our way from Tokyo to Suzuka. We're getting into race weekend. So, um, Matt, what's your what's your outlook for uh, the Japanese Grand Prix? Yeah, so I think it's going to be a good one. So first and foremost, you'll be pleased to know, Brad, there is no rain inbound, which is good. Makes a change for you guys at the moment with the rain following you around. Um, yeah, it it looks very it... wet yesterday, though. Was it? Yeah, the paddock was soaked. That's interesting. I had a little gap. I had a little look earlier on. I thought, well, I wonder what the forecast will be. But it looks like you've got it looks like you've got twenty seven to twenty nine degrees forecast all weekend. So hopefully that 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 figure stays. But it looks quite humid yeah. there at the moment. It is supposed to be a dry. Uh dry race but um, yeah it's super humid really really muggy um yeah not too distant to singapore at the moment, but we'll uh we'll see how that uh progresses through the weekend yeah absolutely but yeah no it's a super interesting race and i think um Zuzuka's, you know talked about very fondly by a lot of the paddock um it's a driver's favorite this circuit 
it is uh, extremely technical. And I think the reason why a lot of drivers love it from when you speak to drivers is the fact that it offers so much variation. There is, you know, there's not a boring bit of the track. It offers high speed sections, you know, the back straights over a, over a kilometer in length, four high speed sections, makes some exciting racing, three slow turns, and as well as two kind of really ideal overtaking spots. So it offers a whole host of stuff. It's quite a unique layout. It's a figure of eight, the circuit. The circuit actually crosses over itself, which is the only circuit on the F1 calendar to do that. The nerd in me, actually, Brad, did look up. There's actually two circuits that are like that, uh, that are grade one FIA approved, but that's one we race on as well. But no, so really, really technical circuit, 18 corners. It's going to offer heaps of different stuff to the drivers. And I will come on some of the stats, but it's just super demanding. We've got lots of different options going on within the circuit. Yeah, and that figure of eight gives us uh, quite an even split on right and left turns, doesn't it, as well? So it's uh, a nice balanced track from from that side. I think you've got 10 to the right and, and eight to the left. But yeah, it's, it's, it's a track that, that drivers love. It's proper driver's track. They call fast. It's also physical, which, you know, if... Uh, it will certainly test the driver's neck and over a long period of time. This is the track that I always use as an example when talking about the different types of G-force that drivers experience because, yes, some of those big, fast corners like 130R turn gets up to 5G, but the interesting thing with Suzuka is that it's uh, um, the track with the most sustained G-force. So if we take the race the drivers are under more than three G's of lateral force for 40% of the race. 32 minutes, they're, they're under three G of strain on the neck, whereas on, um, or, uh, on, on sort of other tracks, you know, the G-force comes on, it goes, you have a bit of a break, it comes on again. Um, and chuck into the fact that, you know, they've got three practice sessions, quality session and the race, it's, it's quite a considerable stress on, on the neck, this one as well. Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's, it's it brings us back onto that idea of cognitive load again in the sense of, you know, saying about, you know, we've just mentioned obviously how long the drivers are under some form of sustained G-force. I, I urge anyone to just watch uh, either Max's onboard pole from last year or any of the, the kind of pole apps and, and have a look at the circuit and see how fast and flowy it is. And actually, you then combine that with sustained effort and then also trying to make these high-pressure decisions, a bit like we saw in Singapore this weekend. But, you know, it makes it such a hard circuit. But also, you know, I think the drivers have a lot of respect for individuals who do well at this circuit because there's absolutely no escaping. You've got to be a good driver to to, to nail this circuit. Yeah, it's a very good point. You, you need it all, don't you? You need the, the technical ability. You need the physical fitness so you're not fatiguing in terms of your decision-making. So yeah, it's uh, it, it's a full package one, and yeah, we we got pole by a hundredth of a second last year, didn't we? It was uh, it was super yeah, super close. Yeah, super super tight race, and it's um, yeah, it's an interesting one. I was talking actually, I was, I was obviously last two years I've worked with obviously a Yumu in in, in F two, and we, we don't go there on the uh, on the calendar ourselves, but it was um, a circuit he'd raced that lot, and it was interesting to we had a discussion a little bit around you know why is it super so popular and the drive why the drivers love it, but interestingly, it was quite interesting here the drivers comparison actually in, in the dry Suzuka is a super popular track but actually in, in the wet it can be it's super dangerous as a circuit and it, there's a lot of places where there's a, a really high chance of errors you know we've got some really slow corners t11 for example the hairpin there is very bumpy very uh known for kind of having instance there 
and T13, 14 as well. You've got some big negative camber there as well. So there's often a few incidences that we'll see there. But yeah, as long as it stays dry, I think it's one that the drivers will love. But yeah, certainly if we do see any spots of rain come through, then could make things a little bit more exciting and um, yeah a little bit more treacherous i think last year was potentially one of our drives of the season because it was wet we didn't race that many laps i can't remember exactly um how many laps but i think within like 11 laps like an 11 second lead in the pouring rain which you know absolutely phenomenal yeah incredible yeah and so that ability to do that and you know find that that line that works for you and and deal with what is a super technical circuit you know there is there's no hiding from a wet circuit at Suzuka you know there's just way too much going on but no phenomenal performance last year and we'll be hoping for for more of the same just in those dry conditions um are there any other um big good turns that we should be uh looking out for in yeah, so it offers a bit of everything. So kind of going through um, the circuit, got a corner by corner. Obviously, T1 is a really interesting corner. Big sixth gear, fast corner. Drivers are just about lifting on T1, so that's always interesting. We then kind of move into the very famous kind of S curve, so kind of T3 through to T7, which are just super flowy. Um, not much of an opportunity to overtake here, but there's super high G-force, kind of getting mid four Gs. Um, we then move into kind of T9, um, which is a 90 degree right bend. There's a, again, good braking zone here. So an opportunity for some overtakes and some dives. Um, then into T11, which I mentioned earlier, the slowest corner on the circuit. It's a first gear corner, notoriously bumpy. So it can make things a little bit interesting around that hairpin. The drivers then move around into another really fast, long corner, this one, T12. So high fours in terms of G-force. That corner is a long sweeping corner, so that's going to be uh, one of the longest uh, sustained G-force corners. Um, and then we move into T13, 14, as I say, where there's a negative bank into this corner. So again, if the drivers miss their apex or get this wrong, again, good overtaking, overtaking zone here for anyone who gets that wrong. And then we move into T15, which is the fastest corner. There's a big braking zone uh, before it. So again, a good opportunity. And then finally, moving into that final sector, we've got DRS there. And then we move into the biggest overtaking zone on the circuit into T16, 17, the, the chicane there before moving back onto the straight. So the track offers everything. We've got a lot of high speed, lots of technical corners and a good few opportunities to overtake. So, yeah, I think we could see lots happening this weekend. Yeah, it sounds like and it is just a, a really cool track from every perspective, really, isn't it? It's um, Yeah, it, it's, it's got it all. And also, you know, it's it's got a lot of history here as well. We obviously won our world championship here last year but many before us have also won it in um in japan as well it's been you know entwined with collisions and rivalries as well so yeah it, it does hold quite a special place on uh on the f1 calendar yeah and it's worth noting obviously red bull currently anyway obviously honda owned it's it's theoretically a team home race in a way uh, so plenty of fans uh, in support of the team, which is also exciting. But obviously time zone as well is worth mentioning for J for Japan. You know, big eight-hour time difference to the UK. So kind of in terms of, obviously, I know a lot of the guys are like headed out nice and early this week. You can see a lot of the drives on Instagram are, are obviously out there already and kind of getting used to it. But big shift that we have to consider. Yeah, and it's difficult because actually you do have to make the shift because everyone in Singapore pretty much stayed on European time maybe with a very slight offset of one or two hours. But because of the race time, Singapore race starts at 8 p.m. Quali was at 9 p.m. So you go from having the the late sessions and then, you know, the guys are being in at 7.30. 
630, 730 here. So they actually have to make that shift in between Singapore and Japan, which, you know, sounds crazy, but just the, the timings um, don't enable it any other way. No, absolutely. It's, um, yeah, an interesting one. And as you were saying, we were chatting earlier, obviously, uh, in terms of race day as well, I mean, how do you find this a management of you were saying, obviously, you guys are at track a lot earlier than normal. So that obviously makes for an interesting management of the of the race weekend. Something you do you change your routine doing that? Yeah, I mean, we, we shift things hour two hours either way depending on what time zone we're in and 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 where we are so everything just happens a little little earlier here so bed a bit early than night before but we practice that from the very first moment we get to japan so we were out of singapore on the sunday night and then straight into japan time on, on the monday trying to stay awake through monday so we can get to bed at like a normal time rather than um three four a.m that Singapore uh, allows, and then getting up early, which was was more difficult. But um, once that was done, a couple of days in, started shifting onto onto Japanese time, and then just working through the race race weekend. You know, breakfast is one or two hours earlier, lunch is the same, dinner's the same, but it it doesn't feel too bad in that sense because everything shifts. So briefing will be that one hour earlier as well is that one hour earlier you know the race is 2 p.m for us this uh this week so that's one hour earlier than say a traditional european race so because everything shifts it's um, it's it's not too bad as long as you get your kind of home time before and after right as well no, absolutely it's interesting but now i think we're we're lined up surely for a, for a good weekend and it's a tough circuit for a number of reasons which i think is what makes it perhaps such a uh, kind of you know a superior circuit on the calendar is just that it does offer so many challenges for both the staff us guys attending as well as obviously the drivers in terms of what the circuit demands of them and both physically and from their driver perspective yeah and uh, we red bull have the opportunity to win the constructors this weekend as well so i think you know everyone is is fired up for that fire has definitely been lit from losing our winning record from from last weekend so we need to outscore mercedes by a point and not be outscored by ferrari by 24 i think so if we can get everything firing or cylinders this weekend then hopefully there'll be a and a few more bottles of champagne at the end of the end of the weekend so so yeah absolutely and is there much change in the team then brad in the sense of i mean the atmosphere of the team do you find there is much of an approach in terms of is it always you know all out go for a win or is there very much an element of conservativeness than there in the sense of actually just trying to deliver as good a result taking as few risks as possible yeah, I think um, the way the team has been vibing this year, we wanted to win every race. You know, and certainly the last couple of years, it's been very much more, okay, we've got to get out and get certain points to deliver the best result we can. We might not win, but make sure we get seconds. Whereas this year, it's, it's been, okay, we're going to win every race. And, uh, <laughs> and I think even more so now, because we're losing that record last year, uh, last year, last week, Obviously, watching Ferrari celebrate like crazy has um, almost reignited a fire that was already there, but it's maybe exacerbating that fire is, is the better word. It's all out this weekend. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's going to be uh, I think it's gonna be a good, I think it's going to be a really good weekend for a lot of reasons. I think there's a lot of drivers coming into this with a lot more confidence. You know, the great seeing off the Ferrari guys do well, but I think, you know, again, McLaren looking quick. The Mercedes car feels like it's improving week on week and both just George and Lewis driving well. So, 
I think, yeah, I think it's, I think no one knows what to expect. I think you, we, we know Max will come out all guns blazing. It's a good circuit for him. He knows how to drive it well. So I think we could expect anything. Yeah, for sure. And you're right. The, the few teams behind will, uh, will no doubt be, uh, be quick as well. So I think hopefully we're in for an exciting race. So we will leave it there and recap all of that next week, along with a few other bits from us, but yeah. Thanks very much, Matt. Thanks for those insights. Thank you, everyone, for listening. As always, please subscribe, like. It does help. And we will see you next week to dissect the Japanese Grand Prix. Cheers, Matt. Absolutely. Thanks for listening, everyone, and we'll see you next week. You have been listening to the Elite Formula PT Podcast with Bradley Skeynes and Matthew Murray-Downing. You can follow us on socials at Elite Formula PT or sign up on the app at EliteFormulaPT.com. Please follow, subscribe, and if you enjoyed the podcast, why not leave a review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you're listening now. Be sure to tune in for the next episode, and thank you for listening.